Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. I was introduced to a most wonderful new book, The Other Family Doctor. A veterinarian explores what animals can teach us about love, life, and mortality. Karen Fine was a house call vet for a long time, and now she's an associate veterinarian at a couple of different clinics in Massachusetts. But most importantly, this book is about someone who's paid close attention to her own experience as a veterinarian, as well as that of her patients, both two-legged and four-legged. And so it's a very deep book, deeper than it might at first appear to be. Karen, welcome to the show, and thank you for having been so open and uh, honest is a silly word. We all try to be honest, but open and delving into what the arc of your life as a veterinarian was like and continues to be like. And I, I think that it's important that all of us pay a lot more attention, as everyone knows I've been focusing on this year, to what a veterinarian's experience of being a doctor is, both in terms of what their, your relationship is to the animals, but also to the humans. So thank you for putting a lot of very deep ideas into your book, particularly the fact that you were inspired by your grandpa, who you think was a very marvelous doctor. And it does seem as though yes. you come from a legacy, then that Upa was your, was your mentor in a way. Yeah, so um, thank you so much for having me on the show. And um, yeah, we pronounced it Opa. Okay. And um, yeah, so my Opa was a very important person in my life who died when I was in my last year of veterinary school. And he did house calls as part of his practice. He also had an office. But when people came to the office, he had seen them in their home. So he just had a whole new, whole other dimension, really, to his understanding of who this person was, not just what disease they had and what he was treating, but what their environment was and, you know, how they lived and, and all that. So that made a big impact on me. Uh, and also, I, I don't want to promote house call vets too much because they're so rare and precious. And it's not like saying to her, be really great. Just get yourself a house call vet. Yeah, dream on. There are hardly any. It's very demanding physically to get from place to place. And then you also... It was very demanding. Yeah. yeah. And your hands are yeah. tied. You only have so much equipment with you should you need something bigger right. or more sophisticated right. or require refrigeration or what, whatever it might be. But... 
you you do talk about that idea to see the dogs and cats, particularly the cats who, what do they like less than going to the vet clinic? Very little. Um, exactly. Other than a yeah. bath, maybe, right? Um, but to <laughs> yeah. see them there, you got to know them differently and, and you got to have a different sense of people's relationship with their animals. Now that you're practicing in clinics, do you feel that there's almost like a paper bag over your head on some level in terms of not really being able to grasp immediately in just a matter of minutes what's really going on between the people and the pets? Because that's a big part of your detective work, isn't it? That's an interesting way to put it. I, I've always practiced part-time at a clinic because it's really been helpful to me to work with other veterinarians and just work at a clinic and take x-rays and not just be by myself on the road. Um, so I've always had those experiences of just seeing people in the exam room, but it really is a whole nother level sort of, of understanding and, and also of a relationship with with a person when you're in their home. Yes. Um, it's, you know, and then people always apologize, like, oh, my house is a mess. I'm like, That's so funny. Really? People say that because they didn't funny. put the napkin away or something. Well, I mean, people could oh have goodness. a house yes. that's bad, and we wouldn't want to call it a pigsty because that would be rude to pigs. I mean, a pigsty, right. if it's messy, is because the people <laughs> didn't take care of it. It's not the pig's right. fault, right? I, I guess, right. you know, it's it's very odd, but my vet doesn't do house calls except for for euthanasia, which I think is true of a lot of people whose vets mm-hmm. are at a clinic mm-hmm. somewhat near where they live. And she once came to a showing of the Dog Film Festival when it was kind Ooh. of nearby in Great Barrington or, I don't know, Williamstown maybe. And I was so excited to see her, and I think she brought another one of the vets with her, a vet tech. I can't remember. It was a few years ago. And mm-hmm. A couple of people that knew me were there, and I said, oh, I'm so excited. This is my own vet, Linda Morris. She's come to my house and put all my animals to sleep. And Linda looked, I think, startled (laughs) because obviously she'd done a lot more than that, many, 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 many visits in the clinic. But to me, and this is something you bring up in your book, The Other Family Doctor, that experience of being in my home and sending an animal with a vet who knows me and the dog, in my case, dog could be cats, over that mm-hmm. rainbow bridge is so deeply connective. It's I know it takes a lot out of vets to do euthanasia. You you you're a sponge for the human emotion and the animal emotion and your own emotion. But that's how I feel. I think some veterinarians everybody's different, but I think it is it is it does feel like that to me. It's a very intense experience. Yes. And there was another veterinarian who was who was interviewed for a newspaper article some years ago, and I actually spoke to him about my textbook, and he used the word cumulative. That is yes. cumulative. And I, as soon as I read that, I was like, "Yes, that's it. That's the word. It's, it's harder, mm-hmm. and you know, it's not doesn't get necessarily easier for me. And this is just my experience. But I think part of it too is that when I was first in practice, I was meeting a lot of animals and people for the first time. Now I've had clients that I've known for twenty years, and I I knew them when this animal was young and I knew their previous animals. So it's it's a more intense experience than if the person is a stranger and I've never met the dog before. Definitely. Or cat. Yeah, or cat. We always have to say or cat and it could be Absolutely. some other animal, but I understand it's very complicated to put it an avian animal to sleep. There's something about a, a shot in the heart or something. I thought, oh boy, I'm glad I didn't have to be around for that. But that would just seem like, you know, some episode of ER. There's something you, you talk about early on in the book, early on in your career, that was an eye-opener for me. You were a young mm-hmm. vet, 
you were given probably the the lousy shift or you were called in late (laughs) at night when there was no one else there. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I never had compassion for what's it like to be fresh out of vet school. And you maybe have done internship or residency somewhere or who knows. But here you are. You're alone in an exam room. Maybe it's the dark of night or maybe it's just that everybody else in the whole place is busy. And you have to make this snap judgment, a realization of what's going on with this animal. And you don't have a well of history to draw from, a well of experience. And the stress yeah. of that has to be incredible. I, When I was on the, the volunteer ambulance in East Hampton and then became a first responder, which is literally the person who has the first responder vehicle at their home. And when a call goes Ooh. out, you go out before the cops, before the fire department, should oh, they wow. be called, and certainly mm-hmm. before the ambulance because it takes a while to get a crew together. And it took me a few years to feel I could do that because you are just hanging out there naked. It's all on you. What's yeah, wrong it here? Yeah, was very difficult. Very. It was terrifying. But we don't yeah, think of I that was... for vets, Karen. We don't think that for vets, even now, you can't leave right. the exam room, run down the hall to the other vet, um, you know, examining room, knock on the door and say, hey, could you come out in the hall? I have no idea what's going on here, and this animal looks bad, right? Yes, and that, that was something I, I did do when I was in practice, but when something was at night, I have this memory and this was before the internet. It was before cell phones. And right. I have this memory of pulling over by the side of the road on my way to a, an emergency at the clinic. And it was a coughing dog. And a lot of times people call in the middle of the night because they can't sleep because their dog is coughing. Oh, that's so nice. it's not necessarily <laughs> a, a real emergency. It certainly feels like that to the person, But it's not like it's a life or death situation. But I was so petrified, you know, and it's something that wouldn't have bothered me, you know, during the daytime appointment. But there just felt like there was so much pressure because I'd only been out of vet school like a month. Yes. You know, like you said, and I was, you know, just, you know, alone meeting someone in the dark of night. And it was it was very scary. Now, today, I think there's a lot more mentorship that goes on. Correct. Um, So there are, you know, for one thing, there's the Internet, there's cell phones, there's people you can call. Um, I think there's a lot more realization that um, the mentorship is needed. And certainly, especially after COVID, I think veterinarians graduating that have been through COVID um, probably need a lot more mentorship because they've been, you know, missing some of the in-person experiences during school. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot more realization now. It's not so much of a, of a sink or swim. And, and I think, you know, you hear these stories about medical school too. It's like, well, you know, I did it, so you should too. And there's, right. there's some of that mentality with, with veterinarians that, you know, you just, you don't complain, you show up and you just do it. Um, but, you know, getting back to what you said earlier too, about doing the house calls, I think part of it, um, was that driving around, I was able to think about my experiences in between where, where in, in the vet clinic, you're often from appointment to appointment to appointment. And at the end of the day, you're just exhausted. So there's really no time to process. And there's really no, um, there's no sort of model for processing. That's right. Um, Reflection. You know, so you don't I really, mean, yeah, yeah I there's think no that, time for reflection. And that's what your book is marvelous at. And I don't want to give people the impression that this is a book by someone going, yikes, it's so hard to be a vet. Just the opposite. 
it's full of wonderful anecdotes and the publisher, you know, compares it to all creatures great and small and James Harriet. And that's not untrue, a modern version of. But I was more interested in the depth of your experience because I think that as consumers of veterinary care, it's important for us to understand that it is a partnership with the vet. We are partners with the vet. You don't come in. Apparently, there are people who come in and drop their dog off with a, a one-sentence description of what the problem is, and they I'll be back later to pick it up. Wow, that's a little cold, but, I mean, that leaves the vet really in the dark. It is a partnership. Very much. So we yeah, not only have so. to listen to you, but we have to not argue with you but on the other hand, we've looked on Google, right? And we've looked up stuff. <laughs> yes. And we know a thimble full of something. And then our friends suggested they knew what had happened to their neighbor's dog. And you, mm -hmm. poor person, who have either fresh out of vet school or 25 years in, you're like, uh-huh. And we, you have to listen to us while you're looking at the dog and thinking, I really need to attend to this animal. It's a, it's a ballet. It's a dance, isn't it? It very much is, and my, my husband thought that he saw something online. He thought it was hysterical, so he bought me a mug that says, your Google search does not compare with my veterinary <laughs> degree or something like that. And it's, it's you know, true. And it's not, you know, yeah, but people do come in, and then, you know, the way I think of it, I mean, I Google too. When I go to my physician or specialist or whatever, I think of it as this is what questions I need to ask. And that's what I tell people, like, okay, great, you know, you've done a Google search, let's talk about, you know, what you found. Right. Um, but that's how I think about it, too, is it, it, it doesn't, you know, I don't take it as gospel, I take it as, oh, these are things to bring up with my doctor. So it's, it's not a problem for me if people have done that. It, you know, occasionally you run into something who's like, well, you know, but this is what I, I read and, you know. Well, the problem is that people want to, I think people want to believe in what they read on Google. They mm -hmm. don't understand that much of it is driven by ads and, um, you know, SEO searches that money is behind. And you right. still have to see what is the genesis of that information in terms of humans. Is it WebMD? Is it the Mayo Clinic? Because, gosh, the Mayo Clinic, right. in my opinion, which used to be considered this venerable institution, I think they're paying a lot of money to have their name come up first. Just saying, because, wow. And then when you're on their site, they're selling this clinic and they're selling this other thing of their own, not of, you know, pop-up ads. It's interesting um, which of the medical professionals wants to come up or works hard to come up as the answer. And it's true in the veterinary field as well. Does it come from the AKC.org? Does it, you know, where where is that information coming from? And if it's yeah, Wikipedia, I mean, yeah. Wikipedia is crowdsourced. There's, right. There is and no there there. Know. Yeah, and your animal is an individual just like yes. you. So even yes. if, you know, most, you know, we used to say, oh, they didn't read the book. Um, you know, even if most animals with this condition or this symptom, you know, these things are true, it may not be true for, for your animal. Definitely. So that's that's why, you know, and I, I do always listen. Like you said, I like how you said it's a, it's a partnership because the the person who brings in their animal, they're the expert on that animal. So I really need to listen to what's going on with them. If they say, you know, well, this is normal for them, um, then I need to, even if it's not, you know, normal typically, then I need to listen to that. I guess it really, you know, that is a great word, listen. You need to Ooh. listen to what the owner says, information. Absolutely. But they, yeah. we, have to listen to the questions you then ask us and answer the question you're asking. Not try to be a smart 
question answerer. Oh, yeah. Yes, doctor. I understand why you're asking me that because I read. No, just answer the question because you're the fount- you're the fountain of information, you the owner. The vet if it's the questions you ask us on behalf of our pet that allow you to be the best doctor you can be. And I think there's a misunderstanding between people and vets that it's two humans exchanging information and kind of sometimes even being in a a debate about which of them is right, which has the right point of view. Is it the owner who read something or heard something, or is it the vet who has years of experience and training? It isn't really a contest between the two humans. Together, they're trying to help this four-legged person by getting all the information they can. I think that's really what comes out of your book is this sense of being being there and being of use. I think your grandfather must have been an extraordinary person. You know, when we say house call doctor, most people of any age say, oh, what? A human doctor? This is an unheard of thing. You think of this being like, I don't know, the 19th century, maybe, Mm -hmm. but not in modern times. And yet he did it. He did it for people who, who needed it. And it's, it's a very, very rare thing. And it's pretty rare in the veterinary field too. It's just un, it's just financially unfeasible for most vets. How could they possibly charge enough to drive the distances between two places and then get all the stuff to a to a you know a, whether there's a blood lab or something else or X-rays and get them read and it's hard. So I think it, what it was a lot of work. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, it was very physical. So when COVID came and I stopped doing house calls. I remember thinking after a few months, you know, I wasn't my intention to stop doing house calls. You had no you know, choice. Permanently. But after a few months, I was like, you know what? It's been 25 years and I've been, you know, on my knees yes. in people's bathrooms yes. and schlepping my stuff all over, <laughs> you know, up to the third floor. Yep. Worcester has a lot of triple deckers and, you know, and then like condo complexes where I can't find the entrance and all these things. Yes. So um, I thought, you know, and now with the writing, I'm spending more time with that. Well, we've so. run out of time. And I have to say the time you spent writing is time very well spent. The book is The Other Family Doctor, a veterinarian explores what animals can teach us about love, life and mortality. Karen Fine has written a wonderful book and I have a feeling there's more to come. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you so much for having me, Tracy. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support all of these companies because they stand behind my mission, which is to bring you delightfully informative pet talk radio. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no-hide chews and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Weimaraner Maisie will eat. I'm very grateful also to Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two extraordinary women, Allison and Hannah, who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thanks again for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.